everybody, guess what? As promised, I was able to convince DJ to come back to the fold. And so here we are. <laughs> it's true. I hope you're drinking something appropriately con- contrite. Well, see, here's the thing. I did not forget our agreement uh, that I have to review the bird dog. And I went upstairs, and I believe it is peach (laughs) that was left here. However, I didn't pour it for today, only for the simple fact that I feel like I would be shortchanging you, as this is not a full episode. It's true. So that is going to be the first drink of episode one of season five. God help me. (laughs) Although, as we'll talk about in a little bit, I am drinking something rather out of character for me anyway. So you're really getting like one and a quarter contriteness here. Okay. I I think I can take 125% of contriteness. For for those of you who don't know, who might have stumbled across this podcast by accident, this is the Wit and Whiskey cast. Uh, You've already heard from DJ Gagnon, my wonderful co-host. I am Mark Rossetti Jr., and this is uh, the way we sort of end our trailers and end our off-seasons, and we move on in. We're going to do another one of our fabulous toast and whiskeys. Uh, this is always fun in the off-season, because we go from the trailers that we do, which are the most heavily scripted, damn near verbatim, goofy, you know, uh, visual gags and, and verbal gags, to our toast episodes where we're just like, I don't know, get some whiskey. <laughs> See what happens. Yeah, uh, I, I don't. I don't know that either of us actually wrote anything down for this, folks. No, generally, you know, longtime listeners of the show know we do have outlines, we do have formats, we do have show notes for our regular episodes. The toast episodes, we just find a couple things online and in our whiskey collections that we like, and we go for it. <laughs> it's a good time. So if you're just stumbling across this, and this is uh, the first episode you've ever listened to, just be forewarned that they're not all like this. So if you really like it, eh, but if you really don't like it, hey, they get better. (laughs) They do. (laughs) So what have you been up to for the last, what the fuck, month we've been off? Oh, man. Uh, It's just been like trials and tribulations, uh, one after the other. Work's been crazy, um, but luckily the world's not exploding anymore, so that's good. Um, well, well, I mean, I mean, phrasing. <laughs> yeah. uh, the world here isn't I mean, exploding anymore. The IT world's not exploding. It's fine. There we go. <laughs> uh, I mean, come on. We're millennials, buddy. This is like the seventh once-in-a-lifetime <laughs> tragedy that's supposed to happen only once ever, and... No, no, no. I know that, yeah. but I mean, there are quite literally parts of the world that are exploding. It's true. It's true. I, and I don't mean to make light of it, but we shouldn't. And honestly, we should probably talk more about it later in the season. I just have other things that I'm thinking about right now. Um, but other than that, uh, we had this uh, up here in the Shire Studios. We had the saga of the moldy potato for a couple of weeks, and that was really. I'm glad fun. you brought that up because I was going to. <laughs> yeah, we had a. Uh, uh, we had a small scare here at the homestead that we, I should say I, because Holly didn't smell it for the entire two weeks. Um, but we, a few years ago, we had a roof leak and it leaked water everywhere and caused mold and it was kind of a shit show. So I'm a little bit extra sensitive to mildewy <laughs> smells at this point. And uh, I started to smell like this weird mold smell. And I was like, what is that? What is that? And we, had like we scoured the 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 first floor it, we couldn't smell it on the second floor couldn't smell it in the basement 
looked everywhere to see if there were any signs of water coming in uh, or burst pipes or bad plumbing. Uh, I even had uh, some technicians come out and pull out our washer and dryer, make sure nothing was leaking. Uh, And then two weeks later, come to find out, uh, my sleep-deprived ADD brain just didn't realize I had an old, uh, like, a bag with like three or four potatoes sitting there on the counter that all had gone uh, kind of squishy and gross and oozy. And I, as soon as I cleaned all that up and threw it out and got the trash bag out of the house, no problems. So uh, that that's what I've been doing the last <laughs> four weeks. All right, I have a comment and a question. Okay. My comment is, and I, I'm sure you know this, and maybe many of our listeners know this, but it's kind of fun in that uh, your smell, the human smell, is the sense that it's the greatest uh, tie to the human mind. Oh, memory. yeah. So I could just picture you running around going, not again, <laughs> not fucking again. Oh, yeah. I mean, it kept me up. I was like, it'd be like 2 in the morning, and I'd be like, oh, maybe I didn't check, and I'd run downstairs and check it, and you'd be like, nope, no problem. And all the while, there was just a bag of moldy potatoes sitting there that I, for some reason, did not see. But uh, now, now for my question. Now, this I think is going to be a topic we're going to do at some point later on in this coming season. You love to cook. I do. I despise it with a fiery passion. <laughs> um, I love to eat. I hate to cook. But uh, not to get too far into an episode we're going to cover later. Because of that, I don't keep, at the very least, large quantities of vegetables in the house at any given time, large quantities of anything with the exception of coffee and possibly breakfast cereal. So you had said that you, two weeks after the technicians came out, you found these potatoes. How long do you normally keep a bag of potatoes? Well, this was just, it was just bad timing. Honestly, <laughs> we, um, I, our fridge had gotten really full because I had done a bunch of like food experiment stuff and then had a bunch of food that we were going to cook that, uh, like the week that I had those potatoes. So I used like half the bag in a meal and then I was like, oh sure. Yeah. I'll totally remember to clear out the fridge tomorrow and put those potatoes away. And then just promptly forgot they existed despite their prominence sitting there on the counter behind a loaf of bread. No, no, that that is uh, okay. I can I can totally understand that. I was just thinking that you're like, well, yes, you know, I buy a bag of potatoes once a month, whether I need it or not. <laughs> no, ju- generally, when I buy potatoes, if I'm just cooking for Holly and I, I'll buy like, um, like the 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 bulk potatoes, like not the ones in the giant bags. I'll just buy like three or four and that'll be our yeah, potatoes. A couple loose week. potatoes. Yeah. yeah. And then if I'm cooking for a, a larger group, I'll get like a larger bag and do like mashed potatoes or something. I did mashed potatoes one, one night with some friends over. And then I just was like, ah, there's no room in the fridge with all leftovers and stuff. I'm just going to leave the potatoes on the counter and I'll figure it out later. And I really shouldn't figure things out later, Mark. That's really the moral of the story here. No, that I, I was all about it. I just, you know, I, I was glad you brought it up because, like I said, if you didn't, I was going to. So, <laughs> but what about you, buddy? What, what have you been up to since we last recorded together? Oh, God, it feels like everything and nothing. Um, I had the flu for the better part of a week. I don't recommend that. Uh, I was lucky in that I got a 
I had a decent enough case to knock me on my ass, but you know, my poor wife is literally half my size, both height and weight. Mm. So uh, it damn near killed her. <laughs> um, uh, and the cat was just thoroughly fed up with both of us by the end of the week. It was kind of fun the first couple days because we were home, you know, and we each took a couple days off of work, which neither one of us fucking ever does. And uh, so first couple days he was all excited. And then by like the third or fourth day in a row, because, of course, it happened over a weekend. You never get sick just during the week. You always get sick on a weekend and then it just carries. Uh, so we had a couple days of the weekend. Then we had a couple days of the work week. By the end of like the four or five days in a row, he's just like, y'all need to go to fucking work. <laughs> like, yeah. I liked being home alone. Uh, and there was the fun, uh, fact, you know, I went into work, luckily, you know, this is going to sound really terrible and really insensitive as we come out of a pandemic, but I was on the sixth day of the flu and it was the first day that I was really sort of starting to feel like myself and, you know, wasn't puking or anything like that. So I, I still had a call, a little bit of a cough and a little bit of sniffles, but there's only four of us at work. And, uh, I said, I'm going to go in. And I'm going to just stay away from everybody. Our offices are nowhere near each other. It's like not like we have cubicles or anything. I had a mask on and everything. And everybody knew, so they stayed away from me. But as I walked in, you know, sort of from a distance, Allison was like, oh, hey, how you doing, blah, blah, blah. And then she sees my travel mug that I always carry. And she sees coming from the back that there's tea bags sticking out of it. <laughs> and she goes, are you drinking fucking tea? And I'm like, yeah. She goes, oh, my God. God, you were sick. <laughs> like, yeah. She's like, do you want to go to the hospital? Like, I'll take you right now. And I'm like, very funny. Very fucking funny. But but for real, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, uh, but we had that. We've had a run of wonderful weather lately. It's been 62 and above, 65 and above, like five or six days in a row. So I had the roof off the IROC. Um the man that is going to build the new garage for the old man and I coming in May. We're going to have our own fucking shop finally after 35. Well, own our own shop finally. We don't have to rent Whoa. after 35 years. That's so uh, cool. I, I'm super excited to see progress picks. Oh, yeah. Well, he called today, so he started to order the materials. And boy, howdy. I mean, you know, again, not to get too political, but glad we ordered when we did because it's gone up $5,000 in uh just about two months. Jesus. So 12%, 13% of base cost. Is this something you guys are building yourself? No, no, no. We have it all contracted out. Oh, dear God. Good. No, the cool, yeah, the cool thing is, you know, we already made the deposit. All the contracts and everything are signed. So he's honoring the price he gave us. But he basically told us, like, hey, good thing you locked in because this is what it's going for now. Jesus. How's, how's mom feel about having it in the backyard? She is very surprisingly cool about it, which is weird because she was the reason why we never had one for, like, the whole time. (laughs) Um, But that being said, she had one condition. It drove up the price a little bit, but it, in the grand scheme of things, you lose the battle to win the war. Her one condition was she wanted the siding and the shutters to match the house. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I'll take it. And um, and then I won a battle because of course well I won two battles both involving the door. No, because if you it, well if you go to this contractor's place they actually have demo garages. 
and they had one that is roughly what ours is going to be, and it has two doors, actual garage doors. I'm not talking about, like, people doors. Yeah. And I went, no, 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 no. And so we were back and forth, back and forth, because, of course, one door is more money. Yeah. Because you need a bigger door, and you have to reinforce the the ceiling because you don't have the pillar in the center and yada, yada, yada. And I said, no, we have two cars. We're going to be changing them constantly. We don't know what we're going to keep in there. We have the three-wheeler. We have this. We have that. No fucking way. So first of all, I won that (laughs) battle. And then the old man goes, well, we're not putting a garage door opener in. And I said, what? He goes, yeah, we're not putting. You just have to open the door yourself. I said, fuck you, no. We're store <laughs> opener in. And uh, he goes, well, it would be like the old shop we had on Rose Avenue. I said, no, 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 no. Well, you know, you need a, I, it's like one and a half or one and a quarter. It's a good size motor because it's one big door. Yeah. And I said, I don't care. And he goes, well, it's $785 for the garage door opener. I said, we're literally spending tens of thousands of dollars. <laughs> and this is the line. Yeah, th- th- this is this is the where we crossed it. This, so, is, this is the unacceptable part. So I just told him, "Fuck it, I'll pay for the fucking thing." I well, it's seven hundred. If I said, "I don't care," I'll, I'll fucking pay for it. So every time he calls, he's like, "Oh, you better stop spending money on that Camaro. You owe me seven hundred dollars for that goddamn garage door opener you wanted." <laughs> so you do a weirdly good impression of your dad. <laughs> I've listened to him bitch at me for thirty-five years. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I've gotten good at it. Well, uh, clearly, <laughs> clearly, we're gonna have to have the old man back this season to talk about like hobby cars and building the the shop and and everything. I think that would be really fun. I think it would be too. I know what he's gonna say to that. Oh, he's gonna say, "Well, sure, but we got to do it on location." I so you're you're <laughs> gonna have to come in and we'll have to record because of course behind the garage because you've been in my backyard. Oh yeah. Well, my parents' backyard. So behind the garage, there's still a fire pit and all that. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to, you know, pour a few few out and sit by the fire and, you know, do like a live session. Oh, yeah. I, I believe uh, I there was a promised steak at one point, too. There was indeed. <laughs> and the old man don't need an excuse to uh, buy steaks, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> or ribs, either one. Uh, so true. But all right, so here we are. Uh, why don't you start us off? What are what are you toasting with? Uh, I am. Uh, so it, it's this is actually kind of funny. Um, so I I am going in for a minor outpatient rece- uh, procedure this week, and the what thing the fuck? you didn't tell me this. It, it's again. It's, you can't just drop this on the air. I can. It's very minor. It's something that I I, I I've got a small cyst that is not a. It's not a big deal, and I tried to have it removed last year, and it came back. So I'm going to get it removed properly this time, but it, it's a little bit more effort than it was last time. So uh, I got, like, the medical document, and they're like, all right, you need to do all this stuff, and you need to make sure that you don't drink any alcohol for a week on either side. And I was like... Oh, no! <laughs> I was like, um... Well, that sucks. And so I did, uh, I made myself some tea today, but I did splash a little bit of Basil Hayden's in it. So I'm having some uh, Lady Grey tea, and I threw in some simple syrup and a little bit of lemon, a little bit of Basil Hayden's. Definitely not, uh, like maybe a quarter of an ounce. 
Um, but it's enough to kind of, you know, take the edge off. Uh, and it got me thinking about some cocktail experiments I want to do for this season. I really want to get into, like, combining uh, some various teas and, uh, like, herbal infusions and fruit infusions uh, with the the whiskey that we want to drink. So um, I had already been kind of thinking about, like, doing a, uh, an Earl Grey Old Fashioned. Uh, so that, that'll be coming in, in uh, the next season. Uh, but... It's Basil Hayden. It's pretty damn tasty, and uh, I was doing some research leading up to this episode, and a lot of uh, mixologists recommend pairing bourbon with with um, teas. So I thought of like, okay, well, bourbon is a little bit sweeter uh, than say your rye. Um, why not try to make like an, a, a boozy latte? So that that's going to be my my goal this season is to figure out how to make like a really nice uh like bougie cocktail with with bourbon and tea and and all sorts of good stuff. Um I I've reviewed Basil Hayden's before. You've you love Basil Hayden. It's fantastic. I, it it is fantastic. There there's a bottle upstairs on the bar. Um that's another one of the Again, it's not not cheap enough to be a daily driver, but it's not a premium brand by any stretch of the imagination. But it's sort of right in the the middle meaty part of the market. But it's good shit. Yeah, you know, it's not your blue label or anything, uh, but it is pretty damn good. <laughs> I got that bill, by the way. <laughs> oh no! How bad? Well, for the three of us, it was almost four hundred dollars. <laughs> I'm not surprised. And keep in mind, there. Only two of us got food, <laughs> and the two of us that got food, we literally only got one cheeseburger <laughs> So, so it's easily yeah. like three hundred and fifty bucks just on liquor. Yeah, I think it was like three forty-five, something like that. Was the actual bar tab separated from the food tab? Yeah, that tracks. Uh, and uh, forty-five of it was the blue label. <laughs> Not surprised. So, you know, eh. <laughs> That'll learn you. Now, yeah. what are you drinking? Well, as I said, I'm drinking something slightly out of character for myself. And I think I actually, I bought this bottle a while ago. I think I actually sent you a photo of it when I picked it up. Uh, but today I am sampling Minor Case Straight Rye Whiskey, but it's their Sherry Cask. <sighs> finished. So good. Well, we'll get to that. <laughs> I mean, I've yet to be disappointed. It's like duck. I've yet to be disappointed by duck, and I've yet to be disappointed by sherry casks. Well, I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's bad. I- I'm I'm still on the fence about this because there's something here I must be missing, but we'll get into all that. Fair. So we'll give you the rundown. Uh, it's by the Limestone Branch Distillery Company, and... As the name says, it's a straight rye that's finished in their sherry casks. Uh, it's 90 proof. It's actually pretty new. The initial release was actually in 2017, so this is only the fifth year that it's been on the market. Weirdly, they claim an age statement of two years, which I thought the only way you can get an age statement was said to be four years and above, but they claim a two-year age statement, so I don't know. 
the mash bill. It's one of your borderline rye. It's only 51% rye, 45% corn, and then 4% malted barley. And it's going to run you between $45 and $55, nice. depending on where you pick it up. Now, uh, Limestone uh, Distillery, they're actually really famous for their number 44 cream sherry. It's apparently the big thing that they sell. Uh, it's won a ton of awards. And so they keep those casks, leave them around, and then they make this rye, and they age it about eight months additionally. So I don't know. I, I think if I'm reading the label right, I think it's two years for the actual rye, and then they leave it for another eight months. So I guess it's closer to three years. <sighs> It's good. It tastes good. It tastes fine. The problem is, and I don't know, maybe it's because I don't drink a lot of finished stuff. I expected it to be smoother. Okay. And I went online and read a bunch of reviews, and everybody's like, oh, it has that nice smooth finish. No, it doesn't. At least not for me. (laughs) Um, It's pretty soft on the entry. It's not harsh at all. You get the fruity flavors from the sherry. You know, you could taste like a cherry. You could taste almost like a raisin. You could taste sugar, basically. Then you get that rye bite. And the rye kind of hangs on and hangs on. And then you get a whiskey burn, and it just ends. It doesn't have a long finish. (laughs) And so, like, I have... What what review do I have up right now? This is Breaking Bourbon, not to plug another... uh, review site slash podcast but even this they're like oh it's a little pop of this is their finish what they write for the finish a little pop of spice followed by a reinvigoration of the sweet fruity and sugary notes no (laughs) no no there isn't where is it so i don't know if this is a case because pretty much everything you read says the same thing so i don't know if this is like you and cilantro where we all know it's delicious and you think it tastes like soap. Uh, it does taste like soap. You're all insane. <laughs> so I don't know if I just can't taste it, but to me it's like, oh, yeah, I taste the sherry. Oh, there's the rye. Oh, there's fire. <laughs> um, again, I don't mind it. I would drink it, but maybe I went into this with preconceived notions that it was something else. Mm. That's fair. I mean, I do love my sherry casks. Um, Breckenridge is one of my favorites. I wonder if you just... I feel like I'm the sherry cask person. You're more of a port cask guy. I do like port. You do. Which, to me, it just seems like sad wine. I mean, it probably is. But if, any, <laughs> if either one of the two of us is going to drink sad wine... It's going to be you. <laughs> let's be realistic. Which uh, does actually roll us nicely into Tools of the Trade. <laughs> well, fucking take it away. I ain't going <laughs> to trump on that segue. Uh, so for Tools of the Trade today, I decided to uh, kickstart us into the warmer seasons by talking a little bit about sangria. Ooh, I also it like sangria. Not as much as port, but I do like a sangria. I do love a sangria. Um, I was actually ta- talking to my dad today because uh, my dad tends to make a lot of sangrias and bring them to places. Uh, so he and I tend to like trade back and forth thoughts of, on various sangrias. Um, so sangria, uh, the word, I, it means bloodletting. Did you know this? I didn't fucking know that. The word sangria uh, 
means bloodletting in both sangria, uh, sorry, in both Spanish and Portuguese. Uh, and it's been traced back to the 18th century. Um, it, it's basically a drink that was drunk a lot in the Iberian Peninsula and in the Caribbean, um, potentially in as far back as ancient Greece. We know that uh, the Greeks and Romans loved their their wine punches. Um, so probably at some point, instead of just spicing the wine or mulling the wine, they thought, why don't we throw a bunch of fruit at it and chill it? Uh, so sangria generally is made with a dry wine, uh, traditionally with red, though a um, there's been a more recent innovation with sangria blanca, uh, which is a like usually a dry white wine. Uh, so that's its base. Ton of sweet fruits, citrus type things, uh, sugar, uh, some sort of fruit juice. Um, it's usually fortified in that it's the wine is not the only alcohol in the 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 punch. Uh, so usually it's a, a brandy, a flavored liqueur. Um, sometimes champagne is added to kind of give it a, a bubbly twist. Uh, and it's really delicious. Uh, I do find that a lot of reports are saying, uh, a lot of different articles are saying that it's, nowadays it's more, uh, it's more of a tourist drink. Uh, yeah. So like locals in Spain and Portugal are probably not drinking sangria as much as we might think they are. That doesn't fucking surprise me. No. Um, but I did find it pretty interesting that sangria, uh, as a product, um, (laughs) under EU regulations, uh, only Spanish sangrias and Portuguese, uh, sangrias can be called sangrias. So if you make a similar product in a different area, you have to call it something different. Uh, so like champagne. Yeah. It's, it's a lot like champagne except entire fucking countries. Um, uh, so, like, a similar comparison would be uh, Clerico in uh, Latin America. But generally, these are great party drinks. I'm going to be fucking making some sangrias this summer, I can tell you. Um, and it's usually focused around seasonal fruit. Uh, you know, early uh, in the summer, you might have some, some berry-type ones. Later in the summer, you might have more citrus-focused ones. Uh, in the fall, you might have some some apple and, and stuff like that. Um, it's pretty great all around. Uh, but the nice part about it is it's an infused drink. So you construct it together. And as long as you're you probably wouldn't put anything sparkly in it the night before, but you get it all together in a pitcher, you chill it overnight, kind of let it steep with all of those fruits. And then you serve it just like that. Right. You're not straining out the fruits it's um, it's kind of a, a fun, festive, rustic-looking drink where you've got all of the fruits in there and all of the different flavors. Um, the next morning, if you're going to add something sparkly, you can you can add the, the sparkliness and, and stir it all in. Uh, and I feel like sangria is the, <coughs> the Bloody Mary's only competitor in terms of wild and crazy... Um, things that you add on top of the drink, the, why can't I think of the word? Um, 
Garnish. That one. <laughs> Words are hard. I can't do it. I was going to let you hang in the wind there for a while. But yeah, I be nice. thanks, buddy. Uh, wild and crazy garnishes. I've seen, you know, giant fu- fruit skewers that could be their own meals. Uh, I've seen, um, you know, uh, people pulling the fruit out and uh, decorating the glass with it before pouring the sangria in. Um, I Luckily, I've never seen vegetables, which is the one thing I've never really understood about Bloody Marys, but it's fine. Um, I, I feel like uh, intelligence is knowing that a tomato is a fruit, but wisdom is knowing not to put it in a sangria. Hi-oh. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it's really great. Um, so if you decide to make your own sangrias this uh, this spring or summer, uh, sh- give us a shout out on the Wit Whiskey Cast. Let us know we're out there on social media. We'd love to hear like what your recipes are because recipes are wild with sangria. You know, uh, oranges or peaches. There's even a kid version that's non alcoholic called uh, Poncha de Sangria, which uh, is like oranges. I've had that before, actually. It's really good. I I actually. I make I make it for Holly on occasion, and I just use like cranberry grape juice. That's good shit. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, so yeah, definitely check it out. Uh, quite often, uh, the fortification of the sangria is usually a brandy, uh, maybe like a pisco brandy, um, or uh, a flavored liqueur. So my dad does it a lot with like uh, Grand Marnier or. Um, he sometimes makes like a berry forward one with pomegranate and he uses Chambord. We, we like trading recipes. It's a lot of fun. Well, I was going to say, you know, even when you were talking about before about, you know, definitely hit us up on social media, give us your recipe. Cause that's the one time when everyone, including my libertarian ass, everyone becomes a communist when it comes to cocktail recipes. It's true. There are recipes. <laughs> if I can, you know, borrow the Bugs Bunny meme. But there are many recipes, and everyone's got their own. Yes, but I want to try them all. I do. I really do. I, and I, I'm actually... Um, <laughs> a, one of my favorite liqueurs is Galliano. And I am absolutely fascinated to figure out this summer how to make a fortified sangria with Galliano. I don't know if I can make it work, but I, I, want, I, I want the challenge, man. Yeah. What you got for whiskey news this week? All right. So (laughs) buckle in for this one. Now, when we do these, you know, toast episodes, we've already, I think this is already the longest toast episode we've done um, time-wise. But when we do these toast episodes, they're pretty laid back. They're pretty hunky-dory. So I wasn't looking for a full-on whiskey news thing. Now, I was just looking for something that could spark a little discussion, maybe something a little lighthearted, maybe, you know, this. What I found, one, it gave me a splitting headache, but number two, uh, it's proof that you need to stay in your lane. And I wasn't even going to shout out the website because this is so asinine, but I think I'm going to. This is from winepair.com. <laughs> so first of all, fuck you guys. Second of all, stay in your goddamn lane because they have the article up. We interviewed nine bartenders. And they've given us the list of what is the best whiskey for beginners. Um. So now, there are nine bottles on this list. Okay. I'm going to go through them, not in the order they're listed, but in the order 
Well, you'll see the order as I go through them. <laughs> and I just want to get your react, your raw reactions. Okay. <clears throat> Number one, at least in my reordering of this, Four Roses, which, okay, nothing wrong there. Bottom shelf, $18 a bottle. If it wasn't my first whiskey, it was like my third. Sure, it's like the Sprite of whiskeys. Yes. And something we've reviewed on this podcast. Yeah, well. Number two in my order, another one we've reviewed on this podcast, Elijah Craig. Okay. okay. Nothing wrong with that. Number three, uh, which it, it's kind of funny because uh, this was suggested by a bartender in Philadelphia, and I think the first time I had it was in Philadelphia, if I remember correctly. <laughs> uh, another uh, bourbon we've had on the uh, podcast here, Larceny. Okay. It's a little more expensive, at least in Pennsylvania, than what you normally would think of for a first bourbon. But it's really damn good, and you're probably going to go back to it. So I could see that. Yeah, I would recommend Larceny. Number four, the price point is there. The taste is there. But as we talked about when we reviewed it, good luck fucking finding it. Number four is Buffalo Trace. Yeah. Parts of the state, they can't give it, or parts of the country, rather, they can't give it away. Entire sections, states, you can't find it. Um, I'm holding on to the last, like, two glasses of it that I have upstairs because you can't fucking find it in Pennsylvania still. Number five, we, at least I have, and I don't know if you have or not. I have not reviewed it, although I did look this morning, and it's pretty readily available near me, so I will be reviewing it at some point this season. Uh, Rittenhouse is bottled in bond. Okay. Now, to me, this is a good... If you want to be gatekeepy and you want to do rye the quote-unquote right way for whatever that means, that's good. Now, it's only like 60% rye, if I remember correctly. It's not a super over rye, but it is 100 proof. And it, you know, it does have the age statement. It is bottled in bond, yada, yada, yada. Uh, so oh, and it's only like thirty thirty five dollars a bottle. So okay, nothing okay. wrong. Now you're going to notice a pattern here. Mm-hmm. Number six is Weller. Now Weller, I looked at the list and went, "That's the only one of these nine I've not heard of." Yeah, I've never heard of Weller. I googled it. It's not available for sale in the state of Pennsylvania, and the cheapest bottle is seventy five dollars. Sweet fucking Jesus. How is that supposed to be your first whiskey for a beginner? Uh, the next one on the list. Are you ready for this one? Okay. McClellan 18 year. Jesus. All right. Well, this is no longer a beginner whiskey. <laughs> the next one. Suntory Toki. <laughs> <laughs> They're all over the fucking map with this. Yes. Which, there's nothing wrong with Japanese whiskey, but again, $80 bottles, and Japanese whiskey's an acquired taste. You, you don't start with Japanese whiskey. No, and, like, th- that's the weird thing about Japanese whiskey, is, like, even the intro ones are pretty expensive, and I would yes. kind of consider Suntory an intro one, but, fuck, that's... I wouldn't say a beginner should start with Japanese whiskey. And you know what number nine is on the goddamn list of the best whiskey for beginners, according to winepair.com? What? 
Glenn Morangi. You know, I can't really fault them for it. Like, no, if you're going to do scotch, you do Sheevis as a beginner. You do like Johnny Walker Red. Yeah, I mean, that would be kind of my intro. But like if somebody were like, hey, I hear you don't like scotch. Try a Glen, uh, Glen, Mur- Glen Morangy. Um, I, I probably would end up being a fan of scotch after that. Oh, so I, I don't know. I don't I mean, I love the like, f- like the weird fifty to eighty dollar price range on some of these. Yeah, I, I mean, realistically, you need let's see, it says seventy five. That's eighty. That's at least eighty. I mean, just for the bottom four, you realistically need two hundred and seventy dollars. Okay. Okay. But if you're just getting into whiskey, and let's be fair here, Mark, you wouldn't be buying the bottles. You would be, in a non-COVID world, going to a bar ordering a glass. Okay, but I mean, in that case, God, I'm trying to think what bars around here would have Suntory. Aside from the place I went to and racked up the three hundred and forty dollar bar, yeah, I would say I'd say maybe a quarter of the bars I've been to in the last couple of years have had Centauri. Like it is rising in popularity, but it's still not in every bar. And I mean, most places carry McClellan, but most places carry the twelve year because they're sane. Yeah, I, I actually want to look up McClellan eighteen. Jesus, uh, that's kind of expensive. I've had McClellan 18 year once in my life. Do you know why? No. Lou gave me a bottle for being in his wedding. <laughs> that was my wedding gift from Lou. Yeah. Depending on which ones you're looking at, that's either an $80 or a $350 bottle. I wouldn't put either one of them past them, <laughs> to be yeah. brutally honest. Um, yeah, no, it's I just the beginners thing. Like if they had said like we're gonna take this genre and we're gonna pick one bottle from each genre, okay. I mean, again, you're gonna piss some people off. There's gonna be debate, but okay, but no, these are the ones that the beginners have to drink. Fuck off. But where are these bartenders in fucking San Francisco or like New York or like? The bar down the street. Because if I were a bartender and somebody was like, I don't know whiskey, I'd be like, cool. Here's Jameson and Red Label (laughs) and maybe, like, maybe Larceny. I'd give them Larceny. That's a good pick. Yeah, I mean, for bourbon, that's a good pick. It is usually not terribly expensive. I mean, depending on what type of bar you're at. Like, even at Conrad's, a shot of Gentleman's three bucks. Gentleman's not terrible. Um, you know, Jameson's always a good one. I'd go with the J names. Honestly, like you want to get somebody into whiskey, like start, start at the beginning. Jack, Jamie, Jim, and, uh, Johnny. Go with the, goes with those four. I mean, Jim, Jim Beam's not great, but that'll give you an idea of what, 
uh, a non-charcoal-filtered American whiskey tastes like. If you want uh, a rye, I mean, I would always recommend Wild Turkey as your intro. The, the Jack Rye is good, but that is weirdly hard to find in a bar. Everybody just has Jack Jack, I mean, whereas honest, Wild Turkey Rye is I, easier. If, if somebody came in and wanted rye, because rye is one of those, like, it's kind of like scotch, right? Like, it's bourbons are bourbons, and American whiskeys are American whiskeys, and J- Irishes are Irishes, but, like... Canadians are Canadians. Yeah, but like rye is kind of a niche, right? Like not everybody's going to like a rye. And no. scotch is And then there are niche. levels of rye. There are. I think I think if I were going to recommend an intro rye, I would actually probably pull burb, uh, Bullet. It's not really an intro whiskey. <coughs> no, it, Bullet is good. I, I love Bullet rye, but it for a first timer that they might get sticker shock. At least around here. They might. But again, if I were going to pour a glass for somebody rather than yeah, saying go buy this bottle, I'd start with Bullet. I, I would start with something mid to low range for rye and scotch, and then I'd go to the J names for everything else. Yeah, I think you'd have to. And, uh, you know, if they want a Canadian, probably Seagram's. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't start them with a seven and seven, though. No, no, no. I would give them VO on the rocks, like yeah. a shot of VO with like one cube in it. Because VO is slightly smoother, not much, but slightly. Yeah. If they had never drunk whiskey before, what would be the one thing you pull if they don't know the difference between the different kinds of whiskey? Oh God! If they just say. Anything they have no like they don't mm-hmm. they don't have any preference on what genre. Yep. <sighs> I'm gonna get a lot of hate for this, but if you had a gun to my head and, and you had someone there that had never drank any whiskey before and you needed something that would check the boxes of flavorful, smooth. Easy to acquire, and then a not even well, I guess it is cheaper, but acceptable price point. God help me, I'm pouring him a glass of monkey shoulder. Really nice. Only for the simple fact, everyone that I put the bottle in front of that they went, "What the hell is that?" I oh here, try it. Everyone's liked it. Mm. And. Even that night when we went out to that whiskey tasting with the Johnny Walker Blue and everything, they had a bottle of Monkey Shoulder on the bar. And they had close to 100 different bottles. I said, oh, fucking Monkey Shoulder. I said, I love that. I always keep a bottle of that at the house. And the bartender's like, yeah, it's great. It's whatever. And uh, the guy next to me, who I only, he's one of those people that you only know, you know, to say hi or bye to. You know his face. You know who he is. He ordered some scotch cocktail, and for the life of me, I cannot remember what it is because I was very far gone by that point. And the bartender said, what kind of scotch do you want? And he was just sort of hemming and hawing, and I said, do it with monkey shoulder. And he went, what? I said, monkey shoulder. He goes, I've never had that before. I said, ah, fuck it, Kyle. Make him the, Kyle was the bartender. I said, make him the fucking drink with monkey shoulder. 
And he just sort of shrugged, and, you know, the guy who ordered it said, yeah, all right, monkey shoulder, whatever. And he tried, he goes, this is really good. He goes, I've never had this before. And then he ordered a glass of it on the rocks, and he's like, this is really good. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, if, I mean, you know, if you have one glass to save your life, to, to convert a whiskey drinker that had never tasted it before, I, I think up there that's probably, God help me, I hate to say this and sound like one of the right-wingers, but the least offensive <laughs> yeah, fair. <coughs> what about you? I I've been think I've been sitting here thinking about it, and there's so many options. But I think I'd probably go half a step up, and I'd pull Jameson Black. <laughs> yeah. The problem is, there's a lot of shit that's a step down from that. <laughs> there is, but like. You know, Jameson itself is good and it's smooth and it's entry level and it's it's great. And if somebody was honestly curious, they'd be like, "Hey, check this out. It's got some. It's it's got everything that Jameson is plus some of the smoky qualities that you might get out of your scotches." What do you think? Sip it slowly. You're uh, you're not wrong. I can't argue that logic. It, I would just be worried about if, again, if these people are complete uh, babes in the woods, you know, when they go out to buy something, you know, they'll be like, oh, well, this, you know, they'll get something that isn't like monkey shoulder. Don't get me wrong. There's stuff that's worse than monkey shoulder, but you have to be buying like plastic bottle shit. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be trying. There's there's a, a long way to go up. Whereas, I mean, don't get me wrong. Black Barrel is not fucking top shelf by any stretch of the imagination. I love it. It's delicious. But let's be realistic here. But at the same time, it's a couple rungs up the ladder. It is, but for me, like, like I would want, if I want to invite somebody into whiskey and they're honestly curious and not just going to be like, ew, whiskey is gross after I pour them a glass, it would True. probably be something like that um, or something that's at that level, like Basil Hayden, super good. Uh, like yeah, probably, Basil Hayden would be a good one. I'd probably go with a bourbon just because bourbons are a little bit on the sweeter side. Um, if they, if I knew what they liked in terms of other alcohols and I knew they liked wine, I would probably go with a Cascade. But again, you know, I'm climbing up the rung a little bit. Uh, if somebody was already, you know, into their cups and was like, what's this whiskey all about? I'm just pulling Jameson. Mostly because, like, it's just, I, I kind of like what you're saying about monkey shoulder. Jameson's inoffensive. It is. Nobody, no, it's, nobody hates Jameson. People no. might not like Irish whiskey and not drink Jameson, but nobody hates Jameson. See, I had that initial thought with, of all things, Canadian Club. Fair. Because I've never heard anybody just flat out turn down Canadian Club. The problem is, it's so fucking weak. Yeah. <laughs> like if you gave somebody that had never tasted whiskey before, they'd be like, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I I I wouldn't pull Jack. No, no, no. I, I mean, again, if you want to go higher end and try to wow them, the single barrel is really good. But and, and gentleman is good too. Like I have nothing against Jack, but Jack, I no, honestly, but that wouldn't be my first go-to. No. I feel like so many people start with Jack and then hate whiskey. And that, that charcoal filter taste is not something that is easy for people to take on their first try. 
And then, you know, you try the uh, try the Ezra Brooks and you get it because it's double charcoal filter. Jesus Christ. We have one guy who comes into Conrad's. God, he's the nicest guy in the world. We literally call him Wild Bill. And he was in the merchant. He was a career merchant marine man. So he's an older gentleman who is like the stereotype that you see in media of the tattooed up sailor that has, you know, been to every exotic port in the world. And he only drinks Ezra Brooks neat. <laughs> oh, it's double charcoal filtered. Jesus Christ, cowboy. <laughs> do you just, do you fucking chew your cigarettes? Well, I always have to laugh because he'll come in and he always says the same thing. He never, he never gets hammered. He never stays super long. He'll have three doubles of it neat. And then he washes it all down with a Miller High Life. Oh, my. <laughs> and then he leaves. <laughs> Jesus. And he walks everywhere. You know, he's older. He doesn't drive. He walks everywhere. But it's just, I always laugh. You know, if somebody else comes in and they say, to him, well, Bill, what are you drinking? Oh, the Ezra Brooks. You know, the Ezra Brooks is better because it's double charcoal. <laughs> it's he's all about it. He's a walking commercial for it. <laughs> Well, I think that that takes us out of our our last uh, pre-season five uh, teaser here. Um, so thanks for joining us for Toast and Whiskey this week, everybody. Yeah, we're happy to have you back, folks. We're, we're coming on strong. Do we want to reveal, and by reveal I mean decide, what we're going to start the season off with? So I think so. I did add a few things to the end of our episode ideas, but I do kind of like the idea of talking about dream cars. See, I was hoping you'd say that because that's where I was going because we've been talking about it. We have. We've been talking about it outside of this podcast. And I feel like this would be a really great, like, cause I was actually kind of surprised when you asked that question that I was like, actually, I do have an opinion and it's not like anybody else's. No, at least part of it isn't anyway. I'm sure there's more than one, but at least part of it isn't like anybody else's. <laughs> yeah. I have a very strange dream car that is not not like Mark's. <laughs> we'll just say that. So there you have it, folks. Uh, join us. Uh, well, the Friday after you listen to this. I don't even know what fucking date it even is. What date is today as we record this? Okay, it's March 22nd, so not the Friday after. The Friday after. No, I will be... Uh, I will be... Actually, our first episode of Season 5 goes up the day after my birthday. All right, so join us for... Hangovers, dream cars, and whiskey. <laughs> yeah, that'll be great. And, uh, you know, we're coming at you Friday, 8 a.m.s. Uh, we've got the, um, we're on the Facebooks, we're on the Instagrams. We are dropping basically everywhere. So, you know, figure out where we are, find us in your favorite podcatcher. Um, we are going to look to update the website sometime in the next month. Uh, once, Honest to God. Yeah, at, at some point. I've got a billion photos I need to upload to the website. Um, I'm sure there's I've actually posts. written a few articles that I should actually copy and paste and put on the goddamn website. I have them in Word documents because I'm a loser. Yeah, I'm, I'm super planning to uh, post some, some sangria experiments. If I can figure out a weird licorice infused sangria with, with Galliano, I'll, I'll post up the recipe. Um, I, I'm kind of just assuming that one's going to be a failure, but uh, I'll, I'll post my in-progress picks at the very least. 
Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll be back in a week. Um, thank you, of course, to Nuno Henry Silva for intro and outro music. We love you, buddy. And uh, we love you, Nuno. You know, until uh, until next week. Cheers. Salud.